Hello, I'm Eagle, Eagle Gardens, Eagle Gardens 1 on Instagram, and this is fucking talking shit with Eagle, episode 631. Hopefully you guys have had an amazing day. I've had a great day myself. Moreover, I've got a great guest for you this evening, Herb Conscientious Farms. You want to tell us how you're doing and where they can find you this evening? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on here. Uh, I can be found on Instagram under uh, herb conscious, all one word. So, uh, thank you again for taking the time to come hang out this evening. Uh, hopefully you've brought something to smoke on What uh, anything in the, in, on the tray this evening. I'm still trying to figure out what I want to smoke on. So I've got, I've got three different options. Uh, right now I've got a tropical gelato, that's super good. Uh, it's got kind of like the traditional tangy, like skunky ass orange uh, taste to her. And then I've got the last bit of some dog liquor and the work. So trying to figure out which one I'll, I'll pack up. Probably going to be the dog liquor since it's the, it's the last one I got. So might as well make an occasion of it. Might be the last of what you got, but it's the first of what I'm going to ask you about. What in the heck does dog liquor? What are the, what is the turf profiles on that, and uh, what is the palette like? Okay, yeah. So um, I ran a few phenos my last run of it, and I got a, uh, a couple different uh, variations. I guess I'll start out by saying uh, the breeder uh, first off and its lineage. The the breeders Dutch blooms and. The lineage is dog walker crossed with, uh, I want to say licorice vine. I might be wrong on that one. I believe it's licorice vine. And yeah, so I, I found a couple different uh, profiles and I liked them all, but I was specifically looking for something a little more uh, Kimmy and something a little more on the dog walker side. So I found a couple more uh, berry, can't like almost berry ice cream. And then one that was straight like chemical pine salt. And I, I ended up keeping the chemical pine salt because I already got a couple uh, cultivars on the fruitier end and I was looking for something else. But it's, nice. it's been one of my favorite smokes for Definitely a while. Is one hell of a guy I have Oh man, it sounds delicious and uh, much respect to uh, Dutch Blooms there, one hell of a guy. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, I, I've actually a couple of his uh, different cultivars in the bank that I plan on plan on looking through here soon. And I just picked up some, some clones from him, so excited to get those going. So, uh, since we can't necessarily see you there. Are you a pipe guy or uh, do you prefer joints, blunts? Uh, when you break that up, how are you going to consume it? <laughs> I, I'm typically a joint guy, but I do like, I do like bongs if I'm going to smoke glass. And since I don't have much left, I'm just going to throw her in the bong. That way I can space her out a little more. Right on, right on. Well, heck, we might as well get this going where we usually get it going here. You want to uh, share with us when uh, 
the first time cannabis entered your life, when was the first time either you used or come across the cannabis plant? Yeah. Yeah. So um, it was either the summer of fifth grade or the summer of sixth grade. For the life of me, I can't remember. I, I try and think back on this story a lot and I, I cannot come to a definitive. It was one of those two. Uh, I had moved away uh, from the town that I grew up in and um, I just came back on a visit and one of the buddies that I, I grew up with and he lived right down the street. Uh, I was hanging out with him and uh, he, he pulls me aside and like, says, Hey, I, I got this stuff from my, uh, from my brother. Well, he, he didn't get it from his brother. He stole it from his brother, but um, he had it packed up in this little, <laughs> so, so back in the day, you couldn't get, you couldn't get pipes when you're that young. So you make anything you can into a fucking pipe. Like we made a flashlight into a bong once foil pipes were regular. This one was one of the, <laughs> the more crude smoking uh, apparatuses I've used. It was a emptied out chapstick tube with like a fucking uh, screen mesh on the inside packed with what I think was weed. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I hit it uh, maybe a couple times and I, I definitely fell along with the one of the stereotypes of first time I got high, I didn't really feel anything, which is what makes me think like, Maybe it wasn't really weed, but if he stole it from his brother, probably was something. But the first time I got actually high, I it was probably a year later, so about seventh grade. Uh, I was hanging out with some of the uh, the friends from the neighborhood that I had moved to, and again, a sibling brought some. Uh, he got some uh, stuff off of his sister. And they were all older, older than me. So I definitely, I had smoked it before. didn't really think anything of it and figured, hey, it's, it's, it's going to be nothing just like it was the time before. So like they were actually smoking a, a fucking gravity bong out of the bathtub. So I go from little chapstick makeshift pipe to a, to a milky gravity bong out of, out of my buddy's uh, bathtub and just get completely ripped and fell in love with it we uh we ended up walking after that down uh, down into the woods to this like little uh waterfall we uh we used to go walk to and hang out at and I just vividly remember watching for like an hour the water trickle down that waterfall the one of one of the better moments of my life That's pretty awesome, man. Yeah, going from the chapstick tube to the gravity bong is uh, quite an acceleration there. <laughs> forcing it, forcing it into the body at that point. I don't think you had a choice. Yeah, yeah I'm sure it. I didn't. Uh, That's funny. Um, so you know, I often wonder this because I hear the 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 uh, I do I don't or I do I did or I didn't uh, get high the first time. What do you, what do you think that is? Why do you think some do and some don't? I don't know. I if I had to venture, I guess I would figure I was probably so young I didn't know how to actually smoke. So. So maybe I just wasn't hitting it correctly to get enough in. Or maybe it was just 
some really bad weed and I wasn't hitting it correctly. So. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, both could be a possibility. Me, myself, I kind of wonder if uh, I've wondered if there isn't something more, a little more to that, say, uh, either the, the receptors have like a protective barrier that needs to be kind of worn down. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or the system needs to be primed up a little bit. You've been raised around it or, you know what I mean? You've had a brother or it was in the home and you kind of, you know what I mean? Second handed it maybe a little bit early on before, which primed the system. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, yeah I, that could, that could be know. the case because I, I mean, I definitely had no prior experience around it other than, well, before these two incidents, like the rest of my youth, I had not seen it before. Right on. So you say you fell in love with it after the gravity bong. So did it become like a weekend thing? Uh, how, how did it transpire after after the gravity bong. So after the gravity bong, I really didn't have that good of access yet. It, it wasn't like any time he had some, I was I was over there smoking it. But it wasn't until I had actually moved back to my hometown, and I started meeting up with some of the friends that I knew before. And at, at this point, it was and actually I guess it wasn't even a year later. It was more like half a year. Cause I moved back the summer of seventh grade, um, started meeting up with some friends and getting, uh, getting into the later years of middle school where, where things were a little easier to find, especially in a place where I had like at least a, a group of people I knew a little better. Cause I wasn't at the other place that long. And one, once I moved back, it became a steady part of my life. I think I, I went from only smoking on occasions to smoking every single day that I, that I could at least anytime I like, I I remember vividly like taking my lunch money and like, I would, I just wouldn't eat lunch. (laughs) I'd save it to get butt after, after school. And, and we were really ballsy back then, like way, (laughs) I had way more guts than I have now. Like I, I, we, we used to sit outside and uh, during, what was effectively recess, but like since we were in eighth grade, they didn't really call it that. It was just kind of a break. We got outside. People would sit in a uh, in a circle, smoking their little um, foil pipes, and yeah. So after that, I started smoking heavily. Um, I got it in. I got into like hustling a little bit here and there. Um, about a about a year after that. So once I got into like high school and started going to music festivals and stuff like uh, I made some more friends and one person who now is like basically a brother to me he kind of put me on to the the whole scene in a grander view and did that for a couple years throughout high school and ended up stopping because my parents found found my stuff and like just smashed everything they were furious and that that started a dark year that uh, uh it's basically just on like lockdown couldn't really do anything and as soon as I was able to to get free again I jumped right back into it and then maybe a few a few months later 
uh, I was sitting outside of my buddy's house with him. It was middle of the night. We had nothing left. So we had scraped a uh, bowl and packed the resin and we're just hitting the bowl out on the back patio and two lights fucking shine on us. <laughs> and it was two police officers and they took us, um, they, they took me back to my mom. Like, of course my mom was, my mom was furious and we had waited for a few weeks to get any papers in the mail and we didn't get anything that I needed to go to like court or anything like that. So my mom being the person she is, uh, dragged my ass down to the, uh, the local police station and requested like to know the status of everything and like wanted me to kind of get scared straight, you know, but, um, turns out they didn't have anything on file for it i guess they were just like trying to fucking scare us or something giving us a break since we were <laughs> we probably looked really young we were like i don't know late freshmen maybe early sophomores so yeah after that she uh she kind of got a little more lenient on it and like it was more of an unspoken thing i uh i did it and she she just kind of ignored it as long as I wasn't blatantly obvious about it and like kept up my uh, grades and everything. And then, um, yeah, it just it, it was a part of my life ever since then. And in one way or another, always always smoking. But I, I knew since that first gravity bong, like, I, I want to grow this plant. Like this is this is what I want my life to revolve around. So I kind of I hatched up a plan. Uh, it was very loose at first, uh, moved to a state where I could uh, legally grow and, and then um, start growing until I could like, you know, the normal routes, like go work for someone and then hopefully one day make it big. And as I, uh, as I got older, that plan changed more and more until um, a little bit after high school, um, I decided like, fuck it. It looks like no one can really get into this industry in a in a cultivation fashion without having some level of capital to their name. Like a lot of people have either some sort of financial backer, which was never really in the books for me, um, or they they just had money themselves. So I figured, fuck it, I'll go to college for a couple of years, or I'll go get a degree, and then I'll get into software development. I'll move to a state, work on that as my day job, and then um, use the capital I get from that to start my own cultivation facility. It was originally going to be Colorado, um, but as I like progressed in my degree and towards a career afterwards, which actually I stayed in tech, but uh, I, I I didn't follow the software development path. I I liked it, but I didn't see, I didn't think like I could actually end up doing it for eight hours a day without like going crazy. So switched, switched in the tech field and then, um, I, by that time, like Colorado seemed flooded to me. So I didn't really want to like move to New Mexico to sell turquoise as they say. So I started started looking into different places, laws and everything. And I noticed Michigan, which was pretty close to where I lived already. Um, I had had a history with there because my, my mom had lived there in the past. She lived in the UP uh, before I was born. My, uh, my brother actually worked at Founders for a little while before he moved and started a 
brewery. So I had some familiarity with it um, and decided, fuck it, I'm just going to move here. So right before quarantine, I was actually about to quit the job I had got and then um, move up to, well, find a job in Michigan, quit the job I had, move up here, like live in a hotel until I could find something. But then like quarantine hit and everything. And I was able to leverage that into being able to work fully remote. So I, I luckily got to keep, keep that uh, position while um, I moved up here and then just started growing more. I had grown in the past. It was never anything super successful, like some gorilla growth stuff that like some larfy bud that I got. I actually, there was one time it was decent. I, I pimped out an armoire in my parents' basement when I was pretty young. Like I got the mylar, put it up on the sides and everything. Got a little computer fan, put it in the back as my like exhaust fan and had a, a 250 watt HPS in there. Oh boy, did it get hot. <laughs> but the boat actually looked, uh, but the boat was pretty good. Um, I didn't, I didn't get to keep it because uh, some stuff went down. So I. I didn't get the fruits of my labor. So yeah, before I moved here, I didn't have honestly too much actual growing experience. I, I'd done all the, the studying, like I took multiple courses online through um, some places like Coursea and Khan Academy, which are great resources if you just like want to learn. Well, Coursea has just about everything. They have college courses on, on most things. I I looked at their botany or I, I took their two botany courses um, and one of their agricultural courses. While I don't completely agree with uh, some of the stuff that they taught in the agricultural course, it is nice to kind of see um, what is being done in a commercial fashion and what they have been doing. Because some, while I don't agree with a lot of it, some of it can be translated over into what uh, what I plan on doing, which is greenhouse cultivation. So yeah, moved here, started growing, um, meeting more people in the community. Um, one of you, one of the people you've had uh, had on uh, Jet House Gardens, uh, him and a couple other people like Organic Alexa and um, Lena Consulting. I, I probably pronounced the first part incorrectly. Uh, they put on a thing called the compost cup uh, it was in northern michigan it was a great event like a bunch of really cool people got together and talked about organic cultivation and everything like that as well as like the art of composting and there were some fun events like we did a uh, a late night mushroom uh hunt and things like that but that's that's really what got me introduced into the the community up here and so far everybody's just been like great i've, uh, I've met a couple of the guests like the, the tropical gelato was actually um um, Paisley Acres gifted me that and super killer. Um, uh, so yeah, just now I'm here growing and kind of trying to get into the community a little bit more. Um, I've, I've taken a few courses since I got here, like, uh, the soil doctors course. I took that. I took Dr. Elaine's foundational course and I'm just about to finish the certified lab tech. I actually have my last mentor lesson on Monday. And then I start the testing process. So hopefully by this time next month, I'll be certified lab tech as well. And yeah, getting into a little breeding is is my next my next focus. I, I've 
been building up a little bit of a, uh, a base collection of cultivars I, I think are pretty unique or that really stand, stood out to me. And I'll start breeding those and then testing the progeny and hopefully working those if, if I find something I like, working those uh, lines for a little while. So I got to take you back a little bit there. Uh, so what kind of strains, you know, were available in the beginning? And uh, what were the strains you, you grew in that armoire there? Uh, tell us a little bit about the, the humble beginning and I guess why. Why did you, you know, ultimately, uh, you know, want to throw those seeds in the dirt? Why did uh, cultivate, how and why did cultivation come into the picture, I guess is the real question. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So the first cultivars, like, well, I had a bunch of weed before that was probably just some stuff that was imported, like from Mexico or something like that. Some, some brick weed, as they say. Uh, but the first, like, really good weed that I had were, were some of the ones that are what may, in my opinion, make Ohio famous. Like uh, the old school, uh, not old school it's about 15 years old now uh the death star cup that came from columbus and i think it's still uh floating around in akron um there's a few different cuts out there there's one that is extremely musky and just this foul fucking odor that is to this day one of the best weeds i've ever smoked in my life probably it, it's probably my favorite besides the next weed i'm about to say which is like uh, which is lemon g uh just had a really beautiful like the lemon pledge taste the the smell and the taste like went uh went hand in hand but i mean some other stuff that was going once i once i started like knowing a little more where um ak-47 was pretty big um cinderella 99 uh there was another one uh that was i i feel like was pretty local to ohio it's called a uh, dumpster that was killer. Um, let's see, like if, you, if you're familiar with Brother Grimm's work, I feel like that floated around a lot and a lot of like Barney's Farms early stuff like LSD and Tangerine Dream, those, those cultivars were pretty popular. And the, what got me into the wanting to put the seeds in the ground, um, I've, I've never been one for like the 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 business side of things I, I really like I just enjoy the the plant itself and just really wanted a closer connection to it and figured the best way for that was cultivation and like that's what got me into trying out some gorilla grow, grow stuff and even though it was never successful like while I was or super successful while I was doing it I absolutely loved it it was just a super fun time I loved watching the plants grow and I've always been the kind of person where like, I'll get into something, uh, I'll get like really hardcore into it for a few weeks. And it's like, okay, I've had my time with this. I'm going to move on to the next subject. But cannabis, just for some reason, it's, it, it's never, I've never moved on from it. It's always stuck around. And I, I hold the or early years of my life accountable for it. Just the, the connection I got to my, my friend groups from it, the 
the enjoyment I got from like trying my little my my cornfield grows and stuff like that it it's just something I could never shake even when like there was a period of my time where I didn't I couldn't smoke weed for about a year and immediately as as soon as I could I went right back to it So cultivation, when necessarily when you start the cultivation side of it, uh, that's when I think the real love of the plant really takes off. And you kind of view the plant in a different way. It has a lot more weight. Did it kind of change the way you feel about the plant as well? Absolutely. And like before, I would say even more now. So before when I when I tried my stuff, it was I they're outside where I didn't like have a whole bunch of access to the plants while I was growing or when um when I did have my my first couple my first couple I guess experiences indoors where I was using like a fox farm bottled nutrient um I still loved like watching it grow and being a part of the plant's life cycle but it wasn't really until uh right before I moved to Michigan when I started getting into the organic side of it that everything really clicked for me. And I knew like, this is, this is definitely the path that I want to take. Like, I don't, I'm not going to stick with the day job that I, that I got the, the, I guess the ability to, to know how not only the microorganisms within the soil create, um, cycle nutrients that then goes into your plants. But like, I I have more control or less, I don't want to say more control, but I have more involvement with the entire process. I build all my soil uh, from scratch using um, various ingredients. I tinker with it every single time. I, I take soil tests and then custom, do custom amendments to it. I, for the most part, build, uh, make my worm castings, or at least I make all my worm castings for um, like what I use with my teas and everything. Um, the a local company, Warmies. Uh, whenever I'm making bulk soil, uh, I'll use theirs because I just don't have the capacity to, to put out that much. And well, until this summer, I just built a really nice compost pit that I'll be using, uh, all of that stuff in my future soil builds, plus some worm castings as well, just to add diversity. But, but yeah, getting my hands on like every cycle of the, the plant, like I, I'm making the soil, I'm adding the amendments, getting it tested. Then I'm introducing the um, the seeds, watering it daily, watching it as it grows. And then throughout its, uh, at the end of its life, uh, I'm the person that, that trims it and hangs it and uh, watches as it dries to the perfect moment and cures it. Like, uh, I love seeing my, seeing something I grew that I hadn't seen for a few months and just being able to open the jar and smell it like, oh, this is that plant. Like just that connection. I, I have never had that with anything else. I think that connection comes to the uh, the plant spirit medicine side of things. Uh, basically, I've kind of listened to a few forest bathing books and a few uh, plant spirit medicine books. And uh, basically, I, is you have to make that bond with the plant as for it to be a healing type uh, 
experience for you. And I think that's where, you know, sniffing them jars, that turp profile kind of comes into play. You know, it's kind of like, you know, going over people a little bit. You don't always agree with everybody, but there's always that one that kind of stands out. And I find that's with the cannabis, you know, there's always that one you've kind of unspokenly made a deal with, you know what I mean? Ah, you're the one come, you come with me, you know? Yeah, um, absolutely. I, I appreciate that about cannabis. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that goes back to like the death star. I, I haven't seen it or at least to what the, the cut that circulated around in my group. I haven't seen that cut in probably 10, 15 years but I can still picture exactly how it smells. And like, it, it's one of those ones that when you take a hit, like your forehead starts sweating a little bit. I, I can perfectly picture all aspects of it. And I, I have very few memories that are that vivid. But yeah, I think you, uh, I think you asked about some of the cultivars uh, I'm working with right now. Um, so some of the some of the stuff that it's been uh, really interesting me uh, is a lot of lime rising nicks farm or uh, lime rising farms um, work. Uh, Dutch blooms work like the dog liquor is something I'm, I've been really liking, um, and then some some of Mean Gene stuff. Like I just grew out some of his. Uh, I believe they were untested, like just a small drop that he, that he did. It was KD1 crossed with ghost lime pop. And it, that, that was fabulous weed. I, I really wish I would have saved a cut. Uh, and I just I didn't at the time. Um, I, I had messed up some parts of the back grow just in the, the early parts. So I really wasn't thinking about saving anything. And then uh, towards then I was like, oh, shit. I probably should have like revegged that one, but I still have a decent bit of seeds. I'd rather do a do a full pheno hunt and see uh see what else I can find in there. But it had a really nice, like it was it had like almost a sour diesel side to it, but at the same time it was a little floral. And I really liked that floral note mixed with that sour like musk. But the um, Lime Rising's work, uh, stuff that he's bred that I'm um, working with right now, like uh, I, I have one Fino of the work that I really like. Um, it's it's just a the most pretty fucking plant I've ever seen. It's straight like purple with super trichomy. Uh, while on the plant, it has like a a lime skittles. Uh, smell to it and I think that translates pretty well to the end product uh, although I'd say while still limes limeish skittleish um, it also does introduce like your your classic grapey like taste that comes along with a lot of the um, purple weeds or anything heavy in ampinocyanins and then um, like the dog liquor I touched touch on earlier which was a super kin like pine salt smell which I like um i just picked up a couple clones i'm excited to see uh the end product on uh one's an indiana bubblegum and then one's a 
black wop gold both of those came from dutch blooms as well but this uh this year besides uh breeding i also plan on basically being in a constant state of pheno hunt so there, there's three or four things that will be searched through next although i'm not 100 percent on the order shipping times on one will change what my next uh order is going to be but um the region cons uh conference they're they're doing a really cool project where um everybody's going to get these kim dog reserve um crossed with root beer i believe that's the order the male female may be mixed up on that um but yeah everyone that attended is going to get those seeds and then they're going to it's going to be essentially a mass pheno hunt and um uh the the people who have from each region region i believe this is how it's supposed to go the people from each region region that that like we'll get together and decide which phenos they they want to kind of um they they believe stands out and then that will be used in a in a larger breeding project um so i'll probably as soon as i get those just for fun i'll probably pop all of them and then um I'm not sure if I'm going to search through the mails on them or not. I know they want us to, but I don't really have the space to right now. So if I can build out an extra room, I will. But uh, I'll definitely be hunting through all the females. Um, also, after, in some order, I'm going to hunt through the rest of that KD1 crossed with um, Ghost Line Pop. Um, some more work from Mean Gene that I want to search through is, he says not Death Star. Like when he on the pack of seeds, it says not Death Star. Uh, I believe that's because um, it was a cut he got as Death Star, but then someone said like that wasn't the original cut that they remembered or anything. So he just like, uh, like he he just tagged it with not for just in case, I guess. So it's that crossed with uh, grape soda skunk. So I want to search through those. Uh, Terp Wizards uh, gifted me some stuff that I want to search through. Um, I want to say the one uh, that I'll search through next is Peanut Butter Baklava. I may be wrong on the title of that. I know it's a Peanut Butter Breath Cross. Um, and then he also has a Northern Lights one that I'll probably search through as well because I've always wanted some nice Northern Lights. And let's see. Oh. Another thing uh, from the ranch that's pretty cool that uh, I'm interested to search through is a root beer. It's called Burgers and Beers. It's a root beer crossed with, um, I want to say Donnie Burger, which Donnie Burger is just like a bunch of different GMO crosses with something else in the mix. So curious about that one. Uh, I want to I wanna see the elusive root beer terps. I do have some other stuff with root beer in it, like. Um, I think it's what gold mugger, which is black wop gold crossed with mean mug and the root beers in mean mug, I'm pretty sure. So yeah, those are the those are different cultivars that I'm really excited to search through as well as some of the stuff that I have that I'm I really like. Oh, I forgot to mention actually, there is another one. Um uh it's a cultivar from Ethos Genetics. Uh I ran some of his cherry garcia which there was a few cultivars in there or a few phenos that were really 
really outstanding. Uh, I didn't end up saving them, but I did end up saving uh, one from its apex. And it, it's pretty similar to this tropical gelato that I was talking about earlier. It's got that like rotten, oh, it's got like that tangy, like super stunky smell. And, and it comes through pretty well in the taste, which I don't always get with the oranges. I've noticed like some, some orange seems to burn off pretty quick, but there, there's a few out there that this seem to stick around and I think this one will well it has in the past so I'm excited about that uh, so um I gotta ask you know uh you said you do a little bit of soil test there how much changes do you really know between the runs do you test every so uh, every run or do yep. you uh do a few runs and then a man test and a man yeah, so I do uh, I do amend every or I do test every run, but that, uh, that speaks to the way that I have um, my pot set up right now. So I'm running 15 gallon pots instead of like a four by four bed. If I was running a four by four bed, I probably wouldn't test every one. I'd probably go a rounder, one to three rounds, somewhere in that range before testing. Uh, but in the 15 gallon pots, I find there's really just not enough media for me to not test every single time. Like I always end up amending. So I'll test, I, I do typically three amendments throughout the flowering cycle. And um, one's done right at the very beginning. And that is immediately following a, the results of a soil test. So I'll after I've harvest, harvested my plant, I'll give it a week or so, test the soil, send that out. That usually takes about two weeks. I send all my stuff off to Logan Labs. Um, and once I get that back, uh, one cool thing about uh, the soil doctor's class is he really helped with being able to add amendments and judge for the most part what um, the end nutrient concentration is going to be uh like depending on the amendment you're adding of course and i'll, I'll kind of change which ones i add um i change it up i try not to stick to the same thing every single time and um i'll start out i typically try and hit around 200 ppm of nitrogen and then um i don't really sh with my um cations i don't really shoot for a specific concentration like i have one in mind but really what's important with that is the percentage so like i, I typically search off the top of my head i believe it's like i try for like 60 percent calcium and um about i want to say it was around like 20 percent magnesium and then like within the 15 to 20 percent um potassium but again that that's really just because of the pot size i'm using the the 15 gallons since you have such little media i find it hard to not amend where like some a lot of people can get away with actually not doing any top dressing at all and just adding um some high quality compost but a lot of times they're doing that in like a um a raised bed which is way easier to control simply because you have far more media to work with and your plant, your plant roots have more media they can access as well as like the con the concentration of nutrients. While it may be the same, there is um, significantly more 
volume of that material in there. So uh, kind of reverting back a little bit to, you know, uh, the schooling side of things and uh, software and all that, do you ever see yourself uh, kind of heading back to that and designing or, you know, doing some work geared towards, you know, the cannabis industry? Um, most likely not. So, um, I, I never really focused my, even throughout my schooling, I never really focused on the front end side of things. Like, uh, I'm not very good at making things look pretty. I'm more, <laughs> I'm better at the logic end. So like back end server programming and stuff like that, which I do, I do some level of scripting in my typical, in my day job, as well as like some, some database stuff that I'm actually working on for my grows right now. Like I, I'm making a database for uh, each cultivar that I have and then like normalizing the data so I can easily add that information to my, uh, to my different tables for like each grow that I'm making. So like each, each grow will have a table that has like information about it and then it'll all reference a different, um, a different database that shows uh, which cultivars are in that and like different information about the cultivars as well and what I've seen in the past and I'll be able to use uh, use the different tables to see different trends so um, and like that's really where I want to integrate like the the software development as well as my other um, um, IT background into my cultivation is being able to uh, track changes within uh, within my grows because I, I want to incorporate a lot of what I've learned from Elaine's class and test different um, fungal to bacterial ratios, right? In the 15 gallon pots, it's a little difficult. Um, but once I move everything over into multiple beds, I'll have a better time testing that. And I would, I'd like to see at least what my cultivars prefer. So, um, if you've heard her talk on it, she'll say uh, she thinks it should have a, a fungal to bacteria ratio of like one. And then like um, some other people say it's higher. Like I've heard some people say five. I've heard some people say 15. So, I, I mean, I'd like to test that. And uh, I luckily through, the, through that course, I've gotten the skills to use a microscope to actually analyze that stuff. But I want to like start importing all that data into a database so I can track it over time and see actually keep track of what changes gave a better yield or e even if it's not a better yield what plants overall looked more vigorous and like the healthier um, grow so that's where I'd kind of like to introduce that into the cannabis side the software development like it was very focused my my degree was focused more on front end side of stuff but like I I, I enjoyed the backend uh, server side programming classes a lot more. And then I, like over time, I just, I just kind of got bored of it. I can't do it forever. That's why I like being able to incorporate just like little segments of it in because I like it scratches an itch. It's fun to do every once in a while, but it's not something I can do for like a career, at least software development. Well, that's, you've described everything I was kind of thinking of there, you know, when I kind of asked the question, that would be super cool. I could see, 
everything you said being needed you know uh moreover if you could design it somewhat in a like a lifetime type atmosphere to where you just kind of stick a probe into the soil and it's recording all all that info that you're speaking of and kind of lifetime or you know even be able to give you advice live time you know what i mean things have yeah. swung to the fungal side do this you know what i mean kind of you know and make it strain dependent like you're talking about you know soil recipes built for in, in, individual cultivars i think that would something like that would be huge and uh you know be a huge asset in the cannabis industry as well you know i think there's i think there's a niche for that myself you know, I don't I don't think you should discount it quite yet. You might have that great idea one day and have the, the tools to put it together. So I'd, I would keep the engine running, my friend. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, that was like when I initially. So when I first moved to Michigan, I started and like <laughs> I had everything set up. So I bought a house in uh, Michigan and I had everything set up to where like my entire grow was going to be here the first fucking day I showed up. <laughs> I was going to make sure. First thing I do, I'm setting up this fucking room and I'm getting shit going. Um, so like that, I, I started building out that database right then and kind of coming up with the schema of everything and like how the, how I wanted everything formatted essentially. Um, but like through my first few rounds and everything, I, I really never ended up keeping any, many of those cultivars. I, I only kept one, it was that Apex. So I kind of I kind of put that on the wayside, but now that I'm getting more into the um, biological test, and I have, um, of course, I've I've kept all um, spreadsheets of all my grows as well as like the um, um, the Logan Lab soil test. I usually get one just before. I, for a while, I was getting one before and after to make sure that my um, uh, my amendments were correct. And that was adding exactly what I thought I was, but like that shit starts to get expensive. <laughs> so, uh, towards after, like, I'd say I probably did that about six times. And after it was coming back consistently around the area that I wanted, I, I, I kind of stopped doing that. And now I just take one before and I am in. Although if I do see an issue, I will take a test if need be. But yeah, so now now I'm starting to get back into building that database, and I have a few other ideas, like some one that's just kind of for fun um, that I was thinking about doing. So um, I'd like to I go to, I go to a lot of different like parks and everything. That's one of the that's uh, one of my hobbies. It's just going around and walking through nature, and I try and like go to different places in Michigan that I've never been before and walk the parks that are there and everything. I want to start taking soil samples from those areas and then um, adding those into a separate database that I can kind of compare like different locations within Michigan. It really has no, no need whatsoever, but to me, it sounds interesting. So it's some data that I'd like to see. Um, and yeah, just start testing the different areas and see um, what, what different, um, communities or biological communities each one of these locations has as well as um what their ratios are to each other i think that uh, that's a pretty good idea you know you never know <clears throat> what impact it will actually have until you start you know 
putting things together and then you actually have that aha moment. So I think that's pretty awesome that you're, you know, you're pretty inquisitive in that type of manner, as well as you like to see new places in an awesome state as well. <laughs> yeah, I love it here. Like before, when I initially moved here, I thought like, okay, I move here for a few years, get my cultivation facility set up and like run with that for a little while and, and then see where it takes me. Uh, I, I don't really have any plan to leave. I like Michigan. I like the people here. I love the, the scenery. I love the lakes. Like I, I, I'm staying in Michigan. I like it here. Thanks. Well, I, as a, you know, Michigan native, I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, there is a lot of great people here as well. And uh, an awesome canvas community that is continuously building as well. I, I, I appreciated the fact you said you were, you were in a perpetual state of phenol hunting there. Uh, it's pretty cool as well. Uh, yeah, I think the hunt should be, you know, you always think you've, you've got that fire until you, you've popped that next seed and you found the next new thing. Then you kind of look back and go, well, that was interesting, but, but yeah oh, this this is nice yeah i don't think i've ever had a grow where i thought like oh yeah uh last round was better every, every single every single time i do it even if it's like not better quality i just like seeing the variation it's like okay yeah this is nice i, I want to run with this for a while and see where this goes i, I i've never once regretted oh i should have just continued growing that plant that i found last time I, I prefer not growing the, the cultivars that I have because I like every cultivar that I grow that I know how it looks is one that I'm not growing that could be that next big thing. Or at least for me, maybe not in the world, but definitely for me. See, I guess that's a funny thing you say that because I'm sure you feel the same thing. You know, I don't necessarily want to be growing the big thing. I want to discover the next big thing, pass it on, and then find the next, you know, start looking again for the next big thing. <laughs> Why everybody yeah. else is working on that discovery. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just like, I like the hunt. That's probably, that's probably my favorite thing. One of my favorite things about growing is just hunting through and seeing things that, like I've never seen before. A lot of times, like, a lot of these different crosses, they do put off some progeny that are pretty similar to um, some other stuff out there on the market. But one thing about, like, for the most part, there, there's not many stable lines out there. There's only a few breeders, in my opinion, that are really putting out, like, stable stuff. So even if it's something that historically has put off something, uh, some known terp profile it still has the potential to put off something novel so you said you said earlier as well that uh you've studied uh in the botany side of things uh how much do you think that directly correlates uh to the cannabis plant is uh is there a lot of stuff that you can directly apply or is it one of the things you have to take some of that knowledge and just jump in 
and figure out the cannabis plant, take that base knowledge and then still have to unlock the plant. Yeah, so the courses I took in the past were really more like plant physiology and like kind of just an understanding of how plants work in general and less like a cultivative side of things. So uh, since at that time, like I was living in an apartment, like saving up funds to move here, um, I didn't really have access to grow at that time. So I figured, fuck it, I'll, uh, I'll just start learning more about plants in general and how, how they operate and everything. And while, I, I mean, I guess I don't, I honestly don't use that information a whole lot, I guess, or at least directly. I feel like just having that knowledge can help guide decisions, even if it's like on, a, on an almost subconscious level. So yeah, it wasn't really like, uh, I did take one class that was um, on an agro, uh, on like a uh, large ag or big ag. And, and some of that stuff, um, it, it doesn't really translate to my indoor, but it translates to like some different theories that I've been having about outdoor. Like for, for instance, one, uh, one big issue with cannabis that, that I hear about a lot is like pesticide. And um, one thing that I'd like to test that that they brought up in one of the courses that I was taking is using a windbreak of trees that can like block um, block off uh, incoming pesticides and really just anything that would come in through that um, channel. So like different little things like that I find interesting as well like as like some of the solutions that they're using out there that I'm, I don't believe I don't particularly believe in I'm not I'm a pretty, pretty stern organics guy now. So uh, I'm not a fan of the, the bottled nutrients and big ag. Um, but some of the stuff that they talk about, like, it's kind of interesting. Like there's, there's one thing they'll do where, where they'll make sure the drainways have, um, have a plethora of different plants within them. So the water that is running off with that excess uh, nitrogen uh, and going into these little storm drains and everything, uh, that excess nitrogen, at least in some level, can be taken up by the other plants that are there rather than having like a graveled off storm drain or something like that, or something that you like continuously hack down and um, basically just like dead little uh, grass. So I guess a long way of saying, I don't directly use it, but I feel like it subconsciously directs my opinions and uh tests towards things do you think you'll get uh more towards a uh, bed style style type grow at some point uh you know i think there is a, a bigger relationship kind of as you you're talking about there is like buildups in the soil i think uh a bed can help help that to be honest with you as you're talking about uh, another plant could take up some of the access and even things out there do you believe that uh, plants kind of communicate and pass things back and forth a little bit there absolutely um yeah so my my end goal like i don't want to be i don't want to be grown in uh indoors in pots i uh, if i am growing indoors my my end goal will be uh raised beds but ultimately i'd like to test the waters with um a, a mixed environment greenhouse not a completely environmentally co controlled but um 
at least to some level of control and like a supplemental lighting and that sort of deal. Um, and with some like light depth, that way you can like push the seasons because the season outdoor seasons here aren't super long. Um, so that that's my end goal. And I'd ideally, well, not even ideally, I, I'd like to utilize the the composting systems as well as like some different regenerative agricultural practices from um, a, a variety of different places like ANF and stuff like that. Um, but while I'm indoors in, in these pots, really the main reason I'm sticking to the 15 gallon pots, pots right now is because I was trying to do multiple different tests at once and like test different nutrient concentrations to see what works best for um, some of the cultivars I'm growing. And um, that's kind of, that was easier for me to do in a 15 gallon pot compared to a four, uh, four by four raised bed. Um, if I was using a four by four raised bed, then I could test like one thing, but I'd take up all that space where uh, if I'm using just a 15 gallon I, I can run a bunch of different tests in a smaller space, but going on to your, to your point about uh, communications between plants. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Dr. Uh, Suzanne, oh, no, I'm going to pronounce this incorrectly. Dr. Suzanne Simard. Um, she is a doctor out of Canada and um, she's one of the people that are kind of, I don't want to say held accountable, but um one of the big people behind the micro mycorrhizal communication network in forests and that i mean that's a fairly widely adopted theory now that 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 is how plants communicate or in in natural systems is through not just their root systems but the relationships with the um, uh, bacteria and fungi around them and, and it's, it really helps to the point like with so if you think about a plant's roots it can it can only access so much material or it, it only ha comes in so much contact with soil and nutrients are ex exchanged solely in the rhizosphere so if you're thinking about how much surface area that plant's roots take up it's relatively small but if you add in a mycorrhizal connection not only is it expanding off on these plant roots to now add greater surface area and increased nutrient uptake, but that can connect with all those different plants. And it can actually use that as communication of like, hey, geez, uh, I, I am out of phosphorus over here. And then there's another area that has sufficient phosphorus and it sends it over. And it's kind of cool. She She's put a couple books out um, that they're, they're not focused on cannabis at all. They're, they're focused on um, forests, but it's cool how she came to the conclusion of the mycorrhizal network, or at least initially started identifying that, hey, there might be something more to this. Um, she worked in like the foresting industry and she would notice when she went through and she put down uh, a bunch of seedlings after they cleared out an area, there would be a plot that like um, didn't survive. But she would look over and a area not far off from there that was still forested and these seedlings are still surviving. And eventually she, she made the connection where it's actually mother trees within forests that uh, once, once these seedlings come up, they 
their roots interact with the mycorrhizal network of the forest and these mother trees are able to help provide nutrients for these saplings. And I definitely think that can be translated in some way to um, cannabis. If not, like it's not going to be a full mycorrhizal network of like of a forest, of course, but the the communication between different plants is definitely there. I believe so as well. And that's, you know, that's one of the disheartening things, I think, about uh, the the pots versus the bed things and I, i'm getting back into the soil and i'm getting more and more serious about it myself but I, again i i'm wondering is does a bed to get smarter do the microbes kind of get smarter and kind of know how to dictate your environment you know a little bit more in time are you resetting you know the whole network over every time you flip that soil and it re-inoculate? Are you dumbing the soil down a little bit? Uh, I, I wonder, you know, I wonder as I dip into the organics thing and, you know, realize how smart microbes really are, you know, the second brain in ourselves, I can't help but wonder if it works the same way in the soil. They get a little bit more intelligent as time goes on. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot like, so with my pots, um, I still, even though they're only 15 gallons, I don't dump them out ever. I just uh, hack off the the top and then um, I'll add in a couple teas. If I'm not going to be using them for a while, I'll add in a cover crop just to ensure that I'm getting like some exudate exchange from a plants, uh, from growing plants. And I believe that helps keep my, um, my soil community around. But one of the one of the things like if you are uh, taking out your plant, if you are like remixing your soil every time, then you're, you're definitely degradating the community that was built over the couple months of flowering or however long you had those plants in there. Because the microbial community is really driven by the plant itself, as well as like all the other plants up there if you're using like a cover crop or something like that. So if you go a period where you don't have a plant up top, then essentially you're you're not feeding the microbes because your microbes are fed by the exudates the plant uh, the plant puts out, and if there's no plant to put out the microbes or put out the exudates, then the microbes don't really have anything to eat. And you can to a level like you can add things on top, just in a similar fashion of like composting, where you like do a chop and drop, and you're you're feeding the the microbes there. But it I don't I don't think it builds the same community that having living plants in there always. And that's where I really think the, the raised beds, um, not only do you have like larger surface area to um, start building a system, but there's less disturbance to the system as a whole. So it's easier to maintain your, your ecology and you're consistently growing so like you were saying they're getting smarter than you you are essentially adding on to the community as well as the community is kind of adapting towards what the plant wants more because that plant will select for specific uh microbiology so uh... I, I, I heard you say earlier on, too, when you started the cultivating side of things, you kind of 
you know, fell in love with the plant and it's never stopped since. Do you, could you contribute that to a newfound love for the soil? I know once you did, you open that, that realm, it's, it's quite the wormhole and I don't think it ever ends to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. you so is it safe to say that uh, that's been part of the carrot that's been pulling you along this time? Uh, isn't just quite the cannabis plant, but the love for the soil as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, I, like I said earlier, I'm, I'm kind of the type of person where like I, I get hyper fixated on, on a certain subject. Like I, I learn about something and it's like, okay, I need to know everything about this and I'll focus on it for, for a few weeks and then I'll go off to something else. And like organics fills that niche so well in my life because not only can I deep dive into one subject for a few weeks to a month but after that I have a entire network of different subjects that I can like branch off into and start deep deep diving into and it's it's a like you said it's a never-ending rabbit hole It's a, it's a very uh, satisfying one as well. I find not just as you learn things about the soil, you kind of learn things about yourself. You cultivate the soil and you're cultivating yourself <laughs> through that journey as well, for sure. Uh, and, I, and I think that's uh, no, no, no uh, coincidence that, you know, cannabis, organics is kind of being pushed to the threshold to the front in a trying time where people are, you know, need a little work. You know what I mean? They need something to kind of bring them back into uh, their proper place in nature, to be honest with it. Absolutely. That was another thing I was going to bring up is like, not only did like the organic side bring me closer to, to cannabis, but it really brought me closer to like, the earth as a whole like I for for a little bit of my life I grew up with a, little, a decent bit of land like I lived on about 20 acres or so so I'm definitely no stranger to like I've been walking through the woods my entire life and like doing hikes and you know, just different things like that but I find I appreciate it a lot more now and I I look at everything with with a different view Definitely, definitely a way, definitely more appreciation for all the different systems in place. And uh, you're talking about uh, people, people needing something to do. Uh, I recently, like we, I, I garden outdoors as well. And um, I got some mulch dropped off um, and just some like a topsoil compost sand and dropped off from a local place. Um, they, they mentioned the guy that dropped it off and mentioned like, are you guys doing like raised beds or something over the last year? It seems like, it seems like more and more people are outdoors guard or outside gardening <laughs> all because of the pandemic. People need something to do. You're stuck at home. Why not? Why not grow some plants? Mm -hmm. And how? the houseplant market like blew up as well there's there's so many different like houseplant stores and like 
all these different uh, online places where you can get super rare, like variegated versions of things. Like the variegated Monstera was huge for a little, or for a while, and it's really like it's a beautiful plant. But some of those people are selling they're selling snips of these things for like two hundred, three hundred dollars. People just wanted something to like take care of at home. Yeah, I guess get that that sense of being out in the world while still confined at home. Oh yeah, that's for sure, man. I, I seen I watched a thing the other day, man, about uh, house plants and uh, basically like theft of them and shit. Um, this one plant they were showing, man, it took a few years for it to kind of really establish itself, and to get a good one, it was like base plant, fifteen thousand dollars. Jesus. And they had show cut to this greenhouse where somebody had went in and like topped the thing. You know what I mean? To, <laughs> you know, get their own plant started. And I'm like, wow, it's reached that. You know what I mean? Uh -huh. <laughs> wow, that is crazy. Uh -huh. my, my wife does something funny. Like she'll, she ever like forever out just walking around and she sees a plant plant she likes or if we're like at a plant store and there's like stuff on the ground like just a little succulent um parts that have fallen oh she's a propagator uh, oh for sure uh, got them all over the place <laughs> yeah 100 percent. we like i have my grow rooms and then um upstairs we have multiple different rooms like decked out with grow lights and everything my house doesn't get much natural light unfortunately so we we did have to resort to grow lights but yeah we we have a jungle yeah those succulents definitely like the second hand grow lights you can make a, a succulent garden really come to life <laughs> absolutely that's awesome that's awesome you know they knew a long time ago that the, the weight of horticulture had with humanity you know as far as like bringing out uh the good or getting rid of anxiety or depression they knew it in the 70s but they never really pushed it which is i think is a shame because i think it would have really really aided in a lot of the drug dependency that we see these days from anxiety and all the, all that you know what i mean it's kind of sad the information like that has been suppressed for sure. And like, uh, it's helped in, in my own life for sure. Uh, definitely. I, I've had my stints of anxiety and, and things like that. And recently, especially since moving to Michigan and really getting more in touch with everything, uh, it, it's gotten a lot better. And I, I wholly believe it's just cause like, I guess understand under having that deeper connection really just kind of takes takes away some of the worries about about the the normal busy lives that that most people live. We're all we're all just here for our own little journeys around the the sun a few times. And every the majority of stuff around us has been here before us and will be here much longer than us. So Try not to take things too seriously. That's what I like about the gardening microbes. When I started down the mycology road, that's what 
I really appreciated with it is because it kind of put me back in my place. You know what I mean? I realized at that point, I have really little control of what goes on in the bigger, bigger picture of things. And uh, it was kind of refreshing, <laughs> to be honest with you, to realize that uh, we're not so much in control as we think we are. Absolutely. And it's, I mean, it's kind of cool to think of the, the microbes and like, especially fungi, but I mean, bacteria are just as important. Um, if they weren't there, none of us would be. But um, it's cool to think how they've basically architected our entire planet. They, they were the first. And they've, they've built everything around us, all the systems in place. They're, they're all sustained by them. I jokingly say a lot of times it's through that journey that I kind of realized that uh, we are, we, we could possibly be alien, you know, to this planet. We, you know, if you stand back and look at things, you know, from nature's perspective, uh, we're, we're the ones that kind of stand out like a sore thumb and are kind of the hiccup in the system. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, kind of cool thought process of like what would happen if uh, a meteorite with uh microbiology from our planet hit somewhere else like what it what did it inoculate there because there there are definitely some microbes that can withstand um the vacuum of space and, uh water bears being one water bears are really cool little creatures <laughs> You know, that's another thing I thought was uh, the, through the mycology journey that I thought was pretty fascinating is us in general. What a fine line uh, we them with us are. There's actually more more of them, more species of them. I think over 3000 species of mycology fungi in your body there versus your DNA. You know what I mean? A lot. A lot. They, they they pretty much are the system, in my in my opinion. Oh yeah, it, it's kind of super fascinating. There's more microbes in your body than cells. We are we are more microbes than human. And the funny thing about that is, uh, you know, is they're finally uh, regulated by our body temperature. You know, if mm -hmm. they could find a way to survive in the higher heat, then we wouldn't survive. They would actually kind of take over. <laughs> yeah. So uh, moving forth, I guess here, uh, you kind of talked about the compost cup. Uh, what did you enter there? Let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, how was that? Yeah, so it wasn't actually, uh, it, no one actually uh, entered anything this time and i'm not sure if anyone's even entering anything this time i just I'd have to talk to jet house or Yannick lex or uh kalina consulting but um it was really more just an educational um event where it was up in northern michigan um primarily there was a lot of growers that went out there but there was also some i believe some other people that are maybe just like 
local farmers and stuff like that, that, that wanted to learn how to like manage waste and everything. And they had a panel of people up there that, that talked. It's a great event. Anybody in Michigan, I'm going to plug them. Definitely go. They're super cool. Bunch of cool people there. Um, but yeah, I, I went and then like, like I got to listen to some people some people talk and really I just uh, I for the most part I, I really enjoyed getting to like know the other people in the community here and like people with similar interests as um, I and they're all very accepting people and just a great time so yeah we didn't didn't really enter anything just got to go and listen to some people talk and kind of have a good time smoking some really good herb a bunch of really good herb up there actually uh, because like it's it's just people bring their a personal of like what they're really proud of to um show people like this is what i this is what i grew check it out but um I was going somewhere else and i completely forgot where i was going oh yeah um i i've ended up making like some like just connecting with people that I I've continued to to talk to thanks to that event and I really I, I hold that as probably what got me into this community to even at the level I am which isn't very much but at least in what to add some part and some point and yeah it's it's just a really good time the meet a bunch of cool people that share the same interests and like have a passion about the earth. They're doing it again this year. I believe it's September 9th. If you're in Michigan, definitely go. That's my shameless plug of someone else's stuff because it's super cool and everyone needs to join. I hope they do, man. I, I like to support all the Michigan events and uh, I like to see more and more come forth and you know prosper because uh there's so many great people and there's so much great knowledge techniques out there you know why not why not yeah exactly like the with all the experience that like each of those people have they have definitely encountered something that you haven't and even if you're very experienced you've, you've read all the books you've taken all the courses you can still learn from other people but it is it is coming in close to one o'clock here now so i got work in the morning i probably will be hopping off I, I wanted to say thank you so much for having me on here and like just letting me say my story a little bit i, I appreciate it and what, what you do with the community and giving everybody kind of a spotlight and just an outlet to to go over the things that they're interested in the the different facets of cannabis that they're passionate about is really awesome man i appreciate those kind words and i you know as i you know, talked about the last few days when people ask who's coming on the show and i told them you were coming on the show uh a lot of great things were said about you he's a nice great guy i got to meet him at the regen conference you know a lot of great people had some nice things to say about you so i uh i respect you and what you're doing in the community as well 
and I, I hope that uh, your your dreams of becoming a, a greenhouse grower and all that come true, man. I hope to see more of you. I hope to catch up with one of the with you at one of these events sometime soon. And I thank you for your time, my friend. Yep, uh, thank you. Keep keep on keeping on. With that <laughs> being said, I'd like to tell you a couple of things how things go around here. Basically, there's the spotlight episode that we've done tonight. Check. Uh, please keep sure. that Zoom invitation. Uh, please keep that Zoom invitation that I sent you uh, handy. Uh, it is good anytime there is a Weed Nerd World uh, episode. Uh, Monday nights, 2 a.m., which I understand is a little uh, late for <laughs> you here. Uh, but I'm trying to work on to, to do a little bit date uh, something a little bit earlier for some the daytime folks, right. but uh, to get them East involved Coast as well. Yeah, yeah. But uh, nonetheless, uh, there are some earlier episodes, 1130, whatnot. If you happen to catch, you know, uh, Weed Nerd World in the title, man, no invitation at that point needed. Just a, a want to come hang out and dump some knowledge to the community. We're always looking for tips or just great conversation. We'd love to have you. So please consider it and at least keep that the, the Zoom link handy just in case. Again, we'd love to have you in any Weed Nerd World episode. Uh, with that being said, the other thing I'd like to get from you before you go is a silly thing that I call the soundbite. And at some point, this will be used for commercial for your episode. Uh, basically, the body of what I'm looking for is, hey, this is Eagle, and I'm on fucking talking shit with Eagle, episode 631. You can put anything you want before or after that, as long as it's got that in there somewhere. I would be completely grateful. And I am ready. Anytime you are, my friend. All right. This is a herb conscious, and I'm here fucking talking shit with Eagle on episode 631. Right on, my friend. Thank you so much again for your time, your knowledge, and I hope to hear from you or catch you at one of these events very soon. Absolutely. Yeah. The next time uh, I'm on and i see that you guys are you're doing something i'll definitely hop on and just shoot the shit with everyone oh i forgot to tell you too the other ways you can find a weed nerd world is randomly like tonight <laughs> uh basically i told you before the show is uh the time slot is open from 11 30 to 4 20 nightly that's how i finish off the night if uh the guest doesn't take me all the way to that 4 20 slot I stretch my legs, fill my tray, and then uh, go ahead and turn around and fire up the Weed Nerd World to walk me through the rest of the night. So <laughs> That's awesome. they're random. Yeah. They're random, but you can, anytime, anytime, my friend, you're always welcome. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Have a great night, man. With Debbie, you too. With that being said, I suggest you guys do the same. Stretch your legs, fill your trays, and I will see you guys in the Weed Nerd world very soon. If not, thank you very much for your time. Don't forget to do something nice for somebody. Random acts of kindness do save lives. Thank you again, my friend. We are out of here. <laughs>